Jesus, we welcome you to this place. We have room for you now.
Bible Chapel service since Wednesday morning at 10. Going on almost 100 hours. God breaking in, but God reconciling people. There's word of confession or repentance, reconciliation, worship, healings taking place, people being called into ministry.
forgiveness and reconciliation. But, but I really, Lord, I really do want you to break into my life and transform my life and I want to experience your presence in my life. But Jesus, if you can just do it on my terms, that'd be convenient.
beautiful morning for your kid, for the kids. They are our future, but you know. So, um, so that's March 25th. And sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then right now, media. Right now, media is a great source for um, Bible studies for devotionals, for videos that you can watch. Uh, our small group that started this past Friday night, we will be officially starting the next study, and we are going to be using Right Now Media. And we will be doing a Francis Chan study, which is the Jesus' farewell message. So if you guys don't want to come to the small group or participate in it, you can go on Right Now Media and you can do it yourself if you so choose. But this is a great opportunity to um, just have a little more Jesus in your life. Super long. 
from here with it. And uh, you can take as much as you want. But I, we don't do that. I'm actually thankful we don't do that anymore. I always thought it was awkward to money part of the church. Uh, but it's very clear in scripture, tradition, and even as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that offering is essential to who we are. Now what does offering look like? We are meant to be living sacrifices. What is it that God requires of us? You look at scripture and say, what does God really want? How much money does he want? And as you look at what does God want from me? What does God want from me? It basically comes down to he wants us to live a certain way. And uh, we debate on what that certain way is. But as I was uh, I was fixing the guy's fridge this week in St. Augustine, we got to talking about Jesus. And he said, I, I just had problems with the church I was at. I stopped going. And as we talked, um, that's what, you know, what he was looking for. What, what he means when they didn't do what he wanted. And what he realized, what I realized in him, is he hadn't been led into living a life of offering. Um, I love it when God gives me emotional, you know, goosebumps and stuff. And I'm like, I feel God. But I think the most meaningful times in my life have come as a result of God saying, I want you to offer your life in this way. And what came out of that time of service was more life-changing for me than I ever thought anything ever would be. So what I want us to do now is just, let's take another minute or two, Mark. Let's let God speak to us and say, and just talk to us about how we can live as offerings. Uh, we think of sacrifice as being a very, very tough and hard and horrible thing sometimes. But uh, once, once you have kids, you realize, oh man, sacrifice is part of the joy. Offering is part of the joy. And you see that in a lot of other areas in life. But uh, let's just let God speak to us now about us being offerings.
Deuteronomy uh, 16. How does that happen? Change your heart. Stop being stubborn. Love God. Obey God. This has been the message from the beginning. Love. Obey. Everybody say it with me. Love. Obey. Love. Obey. Get your heart right. And the rest of you will be right. Because at the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. How's your heart with God? And Moses is saying, get your heart right. Set your feet in the correct direction. Start on the right path. Make a good choice. Change your heart and everything that flows from your heart will be changed if your heart is changed. Now we're coming up on Valentine's Day, gentlemen. you're in church today, you have fair warning. You have two days. Get it together. Valentine's Day is coming up, and, you know, we've got the hearts and, you know, hearts. We understand that the heart is where the seat of your affections are. It's where your passion is. It's the things that you treasure, you treasure in your heart, right? Are you with me? So Moses says, change your heart. In chapter 10, and then in chapter 30, he's going to go on and say, the Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. So in Genesis, in Deuteronomy 10, change your heart. Deuteronomy 30, God will change your heart. There's this beautiful thing that's happening here. Now, in the business world, we would call it synergy. Are you familiar with synergy? The sum of the parts is better than the parts individually, right? You with me? I don't know how, but somehow there's this synergy that takes place with our hearts. You see, God won't force change upon you. We believe that we have free will. We believe that we are given the choice, right? We're not robots. We believe that we were created with the opportunity to turn and accept God. We were created for the purpose of worshiping God, but it's our choice. God will not force it. And on the other hand, we can't do the work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the blood of Jesus that saves us. It's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us and purifies us and makes us more transformed every day. That's something that we can't do. That takes the work of God. We can't do it. We have to choose. God chooses. God has already chosen. We participate in the Holy Spirit's work in our life. There's this synergy, this both that's happening in the heart. And it all comes down to loving God with your heart. Love. Obey. So, last week we talked about money. It's our last core value. We Extravagant generosity. And, and remember we talked about this duality. You can love God. 
You can love money, but you can't love both. It's just not the way it happens. The Hebrew writer told us, don't love money. Paul tells Philippians, I've learned to be content, rich or poor. He told Timothy, the love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. There's this duality. Love one, use the other. You can't follow both paths. Same thing is happening in Deuteronomy. Once again, we're faced with this choice. Are we going to love God? Are we going to obey God? Are we going to choose life? Or are we going to choose our own way? Now, each choice, although it's ours, we don't get to choose the consequences of our choice always. So that's, we need to say that up front, and we may come back and circle back around to that in a little bit. But we get to choose. It's our choice. So let's look, um, let's look at Scripture in a second. The one thing that I love is when I say change your heart, does that sound easy or hard? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because my passions are pretty strong, and they don't always flow in the direction of the things that they should. We all have desires. We all have things that we want or long for or crave. We all have heart desires, and so changing them is difficult. Sometimes it seems irrational, doesn't it? God, you want me to do what? And it, it, it's interesting because almost the same excuses that we use over and over again, the people are doing back then. It's, it's as if Moses reads their mind and says, hey, y'all. Well, Moses didn't say y'all. I don't know. Wouldn't that be cool if we could find a Hebrew word for y'all? Hey, y'all. This command I'm giving you today, I know what you're going to say. But it's not too difficult. This is attainable. God is not setting you up for failure. We believe that, right? God wants good for you. God's created you for a purpose. God's not setting you up to lose. This isn't too difficult. It's not beyond your reach. It's not too hard. It's not too impractical. It's not too abstract. God, I just don't understand what you... No, God is clear. Love. Choose this. You have a choice. All right, that's getting us up to the scripture. Let's read the scripture. Now listen. This is Deuteronomy 30, beginning with verse 15. Now listen. You listening? Today I'm giving you a choice. Between life and death. Between Prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. Here's the promise. If you do this, you will live and multiply. Goes back to life, prosperity. You will live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter in and occupy. So if you make this choice, here's what's going to happen. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if 
you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods. And when we talk about other gods, we're not talking about necessarily little statues. For some of us, it's our cars. For some of us, it's money. For some of us, it's relationships. For some, It can be anything that pulls you away from complete love of God can become an idol if you are not careful. If you're drawn away to serve other and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long. You will not live a good life in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. So you see, do this, consequence. Do this, consequence. But the choice is yours. So today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choices you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying Him, by committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Anytime I see something like, this is the key, that tells me, okay, perk up, listen, this might be important. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've got a choice. You've got life on this side. You've got death on this side. You've got prosperity on this side. You've got disaster on this side. You get to choose. Will you build people up with your words? Will you, will you choose to speak life into them? Will you obey God with all that you have? Will you have reckless abandon towards his calling, even when others say, that's crazy? Will you choose life? Or will you choose your own way, which usually leads to death, tearing other people down, comparison, the blame game. It's a slippery slope if you make this choice. It's yours to make, but you need to know everything that's happening. Because you're going to be choosing life or death. And here's the thing that I I love that Moses talks about. I call on heaven and earth. I think that's interesting. Heaven we think of as the spiritual. Earth we think of as as the physical, right? Don't we normally? So Moses isn't just saying make a choice and how you spend eternity is determined by it. Moses is saying make a choice and how you, and the decision you make determines how your day today will be. And tomorrow. And the next day. And the next day. Choose life or choose death. These seem more permanent long term. Prosperity and disaster, those are things that happen here and now, aren't they? So Moses is saying, the choice is yours, but the life you live will come back upon you. If you choose life, you will be walking daily in a life-filled state. Growing more like Jesus. Being transformed into the image of God. Or, if you choose to go your own way, 
you are already sowing the seeds of destruction in your life. Not just then, but here. And I think we could probably take about 10 seconds and have a whole list of people on both sides that we can just see. Wow, the choices they've made have come back on them. Some of them, you can see God's hand of blessing all over them. Others, you can see, wow, the seed of destruction has just taken over because of the choices that they made. Because your choices affect your present life as much as your future life. So what's the takeaway? If our choices affect not just then but here, and we have two choices, here's the easy part of the takeaway. Moses did a really good job of laying out the choice, I feel like. So the takeaway is pretty simple. We're just going to recap what he said. Um, focusing on what it means to choose life. How can we have a changed heart? How can we choose life? Very clearly, the first thing Moses said was, love God. This isn't anything new. If you go all the way back to Deuteronomy 5 or 6, it's the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, or your heart, your soul, and strength. Write his name on your heart. Hmm? Write it on your doorposts, your ins and your outs, your gatherings. Talk about it in your families. Talk about it with a stranger. Love God. Love has been the theme from the garden where God walked and talked with humanity. Love has been the theme from the Torah with God saying, I want you to live. Let me give you some guidelines to help you live. From the cross where Jesus gave and gave and gave the ultimate sacrifice. Love has been at the heart of it all. All the way to 1 John where he says, hey, this is what we know what love is. We should love each other because love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. And if you don't love, you probably don't know God because God is love. That's 1 John 4. So the first thing we can do is love God. Second thing we can do, Moses says, love God and keep the commands and the decrees. So, when I'm loving God, when my heart is being changed, when I'm choosing life, I want to keep God's commands. I want to follow in obedience. When I first met Jen, I wanted to get to know her because I thought she was pretty. But as I learned and grew to love her, the dynamics changed. And I wanted to follow and listen to her because I trust her and because I love her and because she's wise and don't tell her I said that. <laughs> yeah. Think of Jesus in the upper room. If you love me, you can keep my commandments. We're going to hit that 
probably in a couple weeks when we go through John 14 through 17 in the upper room. If you love me, which is the first thing, you'll keep my commandments, which is the second thing. Third thing, walk in God's ways. Love God, keep his commands and decrees, and walk in his way. Now, here's what I love about this. Visual example. That's not walking. That's a step. Walking is an action that is always taking place. The minute I stop taking a step is the minute I have stopped walking. Are you with me? Love God, keep his commands, and walk in his ways. This isn't a one and done. We believe that there's transformation that happens. We believe, Paul, when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We believe that Christ came to seek and save the lost. We believe that we are part of that, and as we are being saved and as we are being transformed, we are becoming more like Jesus, and it doesn't happen if we stop. It's not a one and done. It's not a, hey, I asked Jesus to forgive me. Check. Now I can go back to this path. No. When we choose life, when we choose to have a changed heart, it means we walk down a path with God. It's almost like the garden is being restored in a small sense until the ultimate day when we are reunited. We have this relationship where we can once again walk and talk with the creator of the universe. Have you thought about that lately? When you talk with God, when you are walking with God, this is not a flippant thing. You are talking to the one who created and juggles comets. We're invited into this relationship. There's a famous phrase. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's a long obedience. It's not a I obey once and I'm done. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Jesus, I'm running after your heart. I'm letting the Holy Spirit guide me. I'm trusting God with everything I have. I want all of you, and I can't have it all if I'm staying put. In fact, the moment I stop is the moment I've stopped doing what God has required of me. So I choose to obey. I choose to walk. I choose to... Well, wouldn't it be nice if we chose to run the race, not just walk the race? But motion is motion, so I'll, I'll just, I'll just, we'll, we'll baby step into running the race. Just walk with God. Walk in God's ways. Allow God to teach you something new. Allow God to change you. Don't be so full of yourself that you think you have it figured out. That could go in a lot of directions. Walk in God's ways. Obey his commands. Love God. So, I've been trying to give you more visual aids. I don't know if it helps you or not, but it's my prayer that every time you eat a cookie, you think, ah, we need each other. We're better together. It's my hope that every time you see a rollerblade or a roller skate, you think of Jen's sermon. It's like, oh, yeah. There's always more to grow. We want to be changed. 
life, death. It's a plant. This is from our uh, front patio. It's pretty, isn't it? Now, I will be honest with you, I am not the reason it is pretty. I have um, no green thumb. This is all my wife's doing. Let's take it back to this synergy type of thing. What can we do? What is loving God, walking in his commands, uh, walking in his ways and following his commandments? It, it means the plant does exactly what it was created to do. The plant somehow, I don't know how, takes CO2, carbon dioxide, and abracadabra, alakazam, all of a sudden it's oxygen that I can breathe. What? How does that plant know how to do that? The plant somehow knows how to soak up the nutrients in the soil. I don't know how. Maybe, maybe knowing how to isn't the right word. The plant is accessible. The plant has been put in a favorable position to receive nutrients and water. But still, the plant has to choose to do it. The plant somehow understands the process of photosynthesis, which is pretty amazing because this is a young plant, and I didn't learn it until like middle school. So clearly the plant is smart. The plant has a role, doesn't it? If the plant's going to be all the plant is called to be, if the plant is going to live, there are certain things that a plant does. Now on the flip side, there's a gardener, right? Gardener has a role too. Not all just the plant's responsibility. The plant doesn't have to do everything. The gardener loves and nurtures. I don't know why, but have you ever noticed, like, I guess it would be pruning, right? If you see something that's not quite up to snuff, and it's like, well, let's just get rid of this one. This one doesn't look like it's growing quite, quite right. There's a pruning. Mmm. Ah, Jesus talks about that, doesn't he? The gardener waters. This plant cannot move to a river to get closer to the water. It is dependent upon the gardener to provide for its needs. Right? I mean, the plant can... The plant can choose to accept it and take it in and absorb it and change it and transform it and photosynthesize it and all that kind of stuff. But the gardener still is involved because the gardener chooses to love and to nurture and to pl plant it in the soil. And when it gets too big, you take it out and you put it in a bigger bowl because you want the roots to grow and you want it to expand and get bigger and stronger. And so the gardener has to know what's best for the plant and the plant has to do the plant's job the gardener knows this plant needs sun or this plant needs partial shade. Aren't you thankful that we have a gardener that knows what we need? And there are seasons of my life where I feel like I've been in the sun. And then there have been seasons in my life when I have felt like I needed the shade that God was providing for me. There's a balance. God will not impose life upon you if you do not want to choose it.
But every choice has a consequence. So Moses is saying, here are your options. This is the outcome. Choose life. You get to choose. You get to choose the choice, but you don't get to choose the consequence. It's my prayer, as we've been talking about what it means to gather and scatter. We gather and come to church, but we scatter as the church. It's my prayer that as we've talked about how we are better together, you bring things to the table that I don't bring, and vice versa. That we grow and we don't stay the same. If my faith hasn't grown lately, chances are I'm not walking. Which is, in and of itself, a choice. why we've been talking about giving our lives away. Jesus doesn't talk about the tithe. Jesus talks about all of you. The church gets really caught up on what percentage should we give to God. It's a really easy percentage. It's one, zero, zero percent. That's what God wants. And honestly, I feel like that's kind of a fair ratio since Christ gave one zero zero for us. The choice is yours. It's been set before you. It's set before you every day. 315,000 choices. Some are more significant than others. It's my prayer that we learn to identify the significant decisions. The ones that have ramifications far beyond the immediate. And that we will choose life. And life choices always happen around loving God, keeping His commands, and walking in His ways. Jesus him prone to wander Lord I feel it has come to mind a lot I have chosen you many times and yet it's easy to forget that this choice is my most important one how will I spend this moment that you have given me? Will I choose life now or will I choose myself? Will I choose life or will I choose death? Will I choose to walk in your way or am I content where I am? Will I choose to speak life into other people or would I rather self-promote? God, I pray that you will make us a church that is 
choosing life regularly, that is choosing life consistently, that is choosing life constantly. God, I pray that next week when we come together, that we won't be the people that we are this week. Jesus, we need heart change. We need heart transformation. And that's something that we can't do. That's only your Holy Spirit. But we have a say. We have a choice, which means we are called to participate through active obedience and love. And so, God, right now, it's my prayer that my friends agree with me. We give you our hearts. We give you our souls. We say, today we are yours. We choose life. And we want to walk in your steps. God, will you order our steps? Will you make the path clear? You're not a God of chaos. You're a God of clarity. And so I pray that you will give us a clear vision of where you're leading us individually and corporately. You've put us here in this location, on this street, in this neighborhood, at this time, for a reason. Jesus, I pray that you'll help us to embrace the vision that you have for us in this church and that you will help us to run with perseverance toward the prize that you have for us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. We pray this in your power, Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name, God, our Heavenly Father. May our lives be on earth as you would have them be today and eternally. Amen. The words on the screen all morning have been life and death. And we come to a part of the service where we, where I normally focus on the death of Christ on the cross. And in, in a TV show or in a movie, what do they do when someone dies? Well, they cry. Um, but typically, if that person's in a hospital room, they cover the body. They cover the face with a cloth. And my mind has been thinking about something that I've noticed in the past few weeks is that as, as Garen or whoever comes up here to start the preparation for the communion service, they take these cloths and they remove them. Everything we do in this participation in communion every Sunday is significant. Even the taking of this cloth and folding it up. In the Gospel of John, the scripture tells us about Mary Magdalene. She goes to the tomb on that Sunday morning and she finds that the stone has been rolled away. She goes back and tells the disciples and they run to see what's going on. And the one who went, ran, ran the fastest didn't go in, but the second one who came went in and discovered that the cloth was folded neatly and aside. And so while we tend to focus on Christ's death and burial and remembrance 
during this communion exercise, I invite us this morning to focus on Christ's life. During the time that he was with the disciples, but also Christ's life today. Because Christ lives in us. And so if you believe that, Christ is living in you. If you don't yet believe, we invite you still to participate in communion this morning because we believe that God can save a person in the act of participating in this if you desire to love and know God more. And so we've gathered the elements here. We've brought them back to life, if you will, by removing the cloths. And now we invite you to come. So if you would like to come, make your way to this center aisle, center side aisle, and then go back around and go back to your seat, and, uh, and we will receive the elements. Because as we know, when Jesus was with his disciples that last night, he took the bread and he lifted it up and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which will be broken for you. And then afterward, he took the cup and he lifted it and said, this is significant of my blood, which will be shed for you. You should drink it and remember. And so we remember Christ's death, but I invite us this morning to also remember Christ's resurrection and that he is living with us today. Come, the table is ready.
That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Beautifully said. Will you stand with me? It's been so good to be with you today. Thank you for taking time out of what will probably be a crazy day for some of you, going to football stuff. I'm a Bronco fan, so I haven't thought about football since September. Uh, Is that about right, Ken? (laughs) Um, But I know some of you care about the game. Uh, It's my prayer that as you gather with friends, that the life of Christ will be seen in you in all of those places as you are Jesus in your environment. Uh, Let's sing our benediction together. We sing hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim, let your will be done in us. Have a great week and we will see you next Sunday.